Bright Wall Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. The Bright Wall Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. If you'd like to help out production, go to patreon.com slash emptysquare to become an official backer. When I was a kid, I used to have dreams a lot. Usually the same ones. I don't know what you'd call that, recurring or something like that, but usually I was at the end of a very long hallway. But as I would keep walking, the end of the hallway would keep getting further and further away. And then the walkway itself would twist around. So eventually I'd be walking on the walls and then walking on the ceiling. No matter how far I walked and no matter how many ingenious things I tried to get to the end, I never made it. I had this dream a lot, at least four or five times a week in any given month. I would talk to a therapist about it and they said it was something about unreached potential or unattainable goals or something like that, but... I always thought it was something more difficult than that. That there was an answer at the end. An answer I could never really get to. And that sort of anxiety has stayed with me for the rest of my life. When I moved to Brightwall, I stopped dreaming altogether. You'd think that would make the anxiety go away, but if anything, it got worse. It was comforting to know that there was an end to all this, even if I couldn't get to it. Now I can't even see the end. I just have to fall. I thought about that a lot as the tape ended, calling me out specifically, by name, putting me and only me as the savior of all these people, I assume. I rewatched the tapes, several times, in fact. I wrote down all of their names, but they didn't make any sense to me, but I figured they were important. I looked at some of the images flashing on the screen. They didn't seem to form any cohesive plot or anything, just a bunch of random stuff to look, I don't know, disturbing? Put me off my game, throw me off my rhythm. If I had any rhythm to begin with. I sunk back into the bed. It must have been hours since I arrived at home and I was tired. I'm always tired. But I didn't want to sleep. It was almost like I was afraid to. Like, I was worried something was going to happen if I took four hours to close my eyes. And I mean, shit, it took me two hours to go visit a crime scene and I got a murderer's calling card. That's ice cold. The only other option I have, or the only one I can see anyway was to find the next guy on the list. Somebody named Michael. Now, I didn't know any Michael, but I'm sure there had to be somebody around here with that name. Unfortunately, I couldn't do anything for Aiden. The game had started without me even knowing about it, and I was already one point down. I hated thinking of people as points on a game board. It was one to zero, murderer. But I I could probably save the others. I'd have to. That's how these things end. The good guy saves all the good people. The next morning I woke up, well, not fresh, I guess, but fresher. You gotta take what you can in this world. I set out to the world determined to stop anybody else from getting attacked or dying. And yes, I know that's a ridiculous notion, but damn it, I gotta think positive about something. So I was looking for a Michael. Now, you would think having only the first name in a town of what must be hundreds of people, it would be easy to pinpoint somebody, but... Apparently just running up and down the street yelling, Has anybody seen a Michael? Doesn't get you that far in Brightwall. Because A, no, nobody has seen a Michael. And B, I know a Michelle. Are you looking for a Michelle? No, if I was looking for a Michelle, I would have said, Does anybody know a Michelle? I'm looking for a Michael. My cousin's name is Michael. Great, can I talk to him? No, right now he lives in Thunder Bay. Well, then that doesn't really help me out right now, does it? Hey, I know a Flip Gunderson. Does that help? No, but I do think it's funny that somebody out there in this world is named Flip. On and on it went for hours. I thought maybe this was one of those tricks that Brightwall likes to play on me. 
that there's actually nobody in this entire town named Michael. That name was outlawed in 1985 by the Nazis who banned the name Michael and also stole our word for the word 20. So now we have to say dickety. But no, probably not. I probably just wasn't looking hard enough. I sat down on the bench outside of a coffee shop. My feet were killing me. This town may only be a 20 minute walk from end to end, but when you have to do that walk 40 times, it starts to add up. Somebody on an adjacent table was listening to a radio a little bit too loud. I'm way past complaining about petty stuff like this at this point, but if you'll indulge me, headphones exist, man. Nobody wants to hear about whatever top 40 stuff you're listening to. I mean, it is the year. Time to invest in some listening apparatuses. I listened to the end of the song because I had nothing better to do. And then the DJ came on in a fake enthusiastic voice that all DJs use. Kind of like if somebody kicked Harry Carey in the stomach. All right, folks, it's a scorcher out there in Brightwall today. It is at a 95 degrees or a balmy 65, depending on where you are in town. Up next, we got Susie and the Banshees, crisscross, but not the one you're thinking of. And with her new number one hit, it's Dan Dan Avidan, spinning on the ones and twos. This is your host, Michael Flip Gunderson. I'm out. You have to be fucking kidding me. I made a mental note to find out whoever it was who told me they knew a Flip Gunderson to remind myself to beat him to death with a bag of oranges next time I saw him. And I made my way to the Brightwall radio station, which I now realize exists. Because one, I thought this town would be way too small to actually have some sort of media conglomerate. But of course, I should really stop being surprised by things by now. The radio station was the cleanest building I had ever seen. Not just in Brightwall, I mean period. It's a completely glass exterior. You could see right through everything. Probably about two stories, so it wasn't huge, but it seemed like the most modern building in all the town. Bobby from Queer Eye would have a field day in this place. I walked into the air-conditioned building and listened to the den of quiet conversation take place around me. Red on-air lights littered the hallway. It seemed as though there was more than one show going on at any given time. I wondered how far this place went. I figured it'd just be a tiny shack in the middle of nowhere with one dude and a crazy haircut. I don't know why I thought he had a crazy haircut, but there you go. I walked up and quietly asked the front desk lady where I could find Flip. She told me that he was almost finished his show and would be done in about 20 minutes if I'd like to wait. And because there's no movie theater in this town, I had nothing else to do, so I decided to sit down and wait it out. It baffled me how busy and professional this place was. Up to this point, the only business I had actually spent any real amount in was the library. And we all know how that ripped tongue out. I mean, turned out. The bench was against the wall at the far end of the entrance desk, right in front of another recording booth. The on-air light was on, and whoever was in there was chatting away behind the slightly darkened glass enclosure. I tried to listen a little bit, but I couldn't really catch what she was saying. It sounded almost entirely like English, but like something was wrong with it. Like what English must sound like to non-English speakers. I checked very quickly to see if I was having a stroke. So far, so good. In front of me, off about 10 feet to the right of the desk, was another enclosure, but the glass wasn't as dark as the one behind me. I could actually see what they were doing. It looked like a couple dressed up as farmers, but like the farmers from the show Hee Haw. You know, like super stereotypical Appalachian-style redneck. And from what I could see, they weren't speaking into the mic. They were just kind of dancing along, bobbing up and down to the rhythm of a song I couldn't hear. The lady had a jug blowing into it, doling out some kind of tune. I thought that would be fun, just listening to the music, relaxing, a little bit of dancing to get your frustrations out, and then right back to talking about whatever it is you're talking about. But they never stopped dancing. 
I was sitting there for probably about 25 minutes, and the entire time he danced, the exact same way, arms out, bowed at 90 degrees, bobbing his knees up and down to the tune of his wife, I assumed jug playing. 20 minutes. Now, I don't know much about country music, granted, but I'm pretty sure they don't do 20-minute prog-style rock operas in the same style as Rush. But if they did, I absolutely want to listen to that. And I thought it'd be ridiculous to dance to the same beat for 20 straight minutes. I mean, wouldn't you get bored? But then I realized I had been watching them for 20 straight minutes, and I was riveted as fuck. So maybe the problem was me. After about 20 minutes, the red light on one of the far end of the booths dimmed out, and out walked a man, rather tall, probably about 6 feet. Immaculate blonde hair, suit, tie, pants pressed and ironed. This guy looked like he was running for president. He would walk out and say things like, Great show today, boys. Good work out there. Really gave him something to ponder in that last segment, eh? Walking up to random passerbys who would ask him questions and he would extend a hand and say something silly like, Now there's five good ones for you. And keep walking. I'm not gonna lie, I was a little bit intimidated. This dude had some confidence, which I guess you have to have for being on air as much as he is. It gave him an air of superiority, and apparently, I am not good with that. All the intensity of a drill instructor, all the kindness of a kindergarten teacher. I decided to sack up and get his attention. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Gunderson? And there he is, the man of the hour, the man with the power, too sweet to be sour, too hot to handle, too cold to hold. He spoke as though he didn't use any punctuation. One rambling long sentence. Uh, yeah, that's, that's me. Well, what can I do for you, son? Standing there looking like a cat got your tongue. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm allergic to cats. I, I, I was wondering if I could ask you a couple questions about what could be a very personal matter. We, if we could step away somewhere private really quick. Well, shucks, kid. I ain't got nothing to hide from anybody. If you got any sort of questions for me, I'm sure these people here be happy to listen to my answers. I am an open book, after all. Sir, have you had now, or have you ever had somebody plan to kill you? This is a podcast, sir. If you don't speak, people are going to think they accidentally paused it. <laughs> well, a golly gee, son, that sure is a difficult line of questions you seem to have started walking on. Can't imagine why you'd think something like that would come to something like me, just small town man, small town town, trying to bring and enjoy the masses. <laughs> Get into my office. His eyes lit up with a kind of fury. Somehow I had struck a nerve. I pretended to know where his office was. Okay, who sent you? Was it Tony? Because Tony knows and paid up for the month. I swear to God if it was Tony. Sir, I assure you, I have no idea who Tony is. Okay, I see how this is. So it's Big Tony who sent you. He doesn't get paid till the halfway through the month. He's always trying to get it out of me a little bit early. It's not gonna happen, Big Tony. Is is that a, a different Tony from before? or? So it's not... Big Tony either? Well, then you can tell Little Tony that I'm very thankful for what he's done for me, but I will not take this harassment at work. Okay, I'm still confused as to the plurality of the Tonys. You're not from one of the Tonys? Sir, I've never even watched the Tonys on TV. You're not from one of the Tonys? Uh, okay, back back to the matter at hand, sir. Outside of these Tonys, I is there anybody who would want you dead? No, I wouldn't think so. People love me here. I brighten up their day word by word, song by song, putting a pep in their step and a song in their hearts. I see. Well, then, would you happen to know anything about a kid named Aiden? Michael grew cold. I could see it in his eyes. His whole body stiffened up as if I had dunked him in ice-cold water. His face remained pleasant, but there was something there. Oh, you mean that poor child I found the other day. Sad, really. So young. So much enthusiasm. Sometimes life isn't fair. Okay, but do you have any connection with him? 
struck down on the prime of life so much ahead of him. Have you ever exchanged any words with him? Sunrise, sunset, the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. I don't think you realize I'm trying to save your life here. Uh, pardon me? Okay, this one's kind of a strange story we're on, so I'm just going to blurt it all out to you and we can make sense of it later. I received a tape, like an old-school VHS tape on my door the other day. It, it had some bad news. You know, nobody ever gives me a VHS tape with good news on it anymore. What I wouldn't kill for Jehovah's Witness. Anyway, on it were a series of names, and the name at the very top was Aiden's, the boy they found earlier. The next name on the list was Michael. I'm looking for that Michael, because I believe he's next in whatever series of events is about to fall on us. Now, I don't know if it's a specific Michael... But if you think it's you, for whatever reason, if you have some sort of connection to this kid, to any of these goings-on, I need to know right now. Because I have to find out so I can stop things from getting worse. There was some kind of battle going on behind his eyes. He wanted to tell me something. I could see it, but he didn't know what. I knew instantly that this was the guy, whether he wanted to explain it to me or not. I would have to spend a whole lot of time trying to extract as much information as I could, because he knew more than he was letting on. Look, I'm not from here. I wasn't born in Brightwell. I don't know if anybody is. I can't tell you anything. Some things went down in my home city and I had to move. I paid a lot of money to a lot of people to make sure things moved cleanly, and they did. Nobody knows I'm here. Nobody knows I moved. This is what I do now. So, where are you from originally? You don't get the whole new identity, do you, kid? Okay, so something about where you're from originally. You think that has something to do with this? Look, I, I, I just, I can't right now, okay? It's, it's just, I just can't. Well, you're gonna need to give me something. This is your life we're talking about. Okay, okay, how about, okay, someone else to tell you. I'm, I'm sure she'd get a big kick out of it, too. Look up a Kimberly. Kimberly Oliver, she'll probably take you where you need to go. Who is she? Does she have a number? 911. <laughs> wow, that was cheesy. Did you think that was like an intense line to leave us on? Well, I do work in entertainment. Yeah, but the key word there is entertainment, man. I mean, the fact that she's a cop is pretty big deal on its own. No need to, like, spice it up, Mr. CSI Miami. Get, get out. Get out of my office. Wait, wait, wait. Next, tell me I only have 24 hours to solve this case or you're going to take my gun and badge. I was out the door before the stapler he threw at me hit the wall. Kimberly Oliver was one of Brightwall's few police officers, because it's such a small town, there was only probably a handful, maybe five or six, and honestly, three of them are extraneous. The kind of stuff that goes down in this town, the police ain't gonna save anybody, you feel me? But she was good to have around. It also didn't pass by me that the third name on the videotape was Kimberly. I could only assume that it was this Kimberly that it was referring to. There was a connection there between Michael and Kim which made me think that there must be a possible connection between Michael and Aiden. And probably those other names as well. This isn't random, and I doubt it ever was. I decided to hit the police department next. Even if Michael was next, it wouldn't hurt to inform the next person in line. Plus, she was a cop, right? Couldn't hurt to have a cop on my side. A quick ten-minute walk, and I was outside the Brightwall PD. I saw something I had never seen in this town before, the entire time I had been here. A school bus. This place had a school? This place has kids? The housing for this place must be astronomically cheap for somebody to put up with all this crap. Or insurance keeps paying out bucket loads. The last time I was at the Brightwell Police Department, the whole thing fell over, so 
The fact that there were people inside the building made me feel a little bit more comfortable. The building was small. The whole thing looked almost as big as a single office. And it was dusty. The roads in front of it weren't paved at all. It was all mud and dirt. Walking into the room, I felt kind of like a cowboy getting ready to put varmints behind bars with my dusty boots. Then I remembered I was wearing running shoes with Velcro on them because I don't like to tie my shoes, and I felt significantly less badass. A cop was showing the kids around the place. They sounded like they had just started, but they were almost all the way through the building. The cop opened the floor up to some questions. All the kids, probably between 10 and 12, asked the same kind of questions you'd expect them to. Is it dangerous? Have you ever shot anybody? Stuff like that. One kid even asked what his favorite kind of donut was, and he got admonished for it by the teacher. Don't worry, kid. I thought it was funny. One kid at the very end of the Q&A session raised a shaky hand. Public speaking was not his strong suit, I guess. And when he got called on, he spoke in a very quiet voice. He asked, What happens if you see someone you know on the Dead Space Network? The cop looked confusingly towards the teacher, who looked confusingly at me for some reason. I gave a half-hearted shrug, because I have never, once in my life, known what the fuck children are talking about. Well, he said, just call on us and we'll take care of it, and hurried along to the next subject. The kids went into another small broom closet of a room, and the teacher stayed behind. Maybe for a break, but maybe because she literally could not fit into the small room. <laughs> Dead Space Network, huh? I said. What will these children think of next? I think it's some new fad game one of the children invented. Apparently, and this is morbid and silly. But if you stare into a TV at exactly midnight, the power will come on, and through the static, you're supposed to see just how you die. The whole thing is just absurd, if you ask me. Are you from around here? I asked. No, she said. We're from a city about 30 minutes away. And you came here for a field trip? Budget cuts, she said. Jesus, those are some kind of cuts. The kids came back in from the other room, so the teacher had to start doing teacher stuff. The Dead Space Network. Outside of being kind of a cool name for, like, a sci-fi channel, it sounded completely ridiculous. I agreed with her. There is no way this thing exists. But, of course, this is Brightwall, so I can say with almost a 100% certainty that, yeah, this thing totally This concludes exists. our broadcast day.